around Australia on the Oz Ethereal Network and across the world online. This is Supernatural Sexuality with Dr. Seabrook. everyone. Welcome back to Supernatural Sexuality. I'm your host, Dr. Olivia Seabrook. Join me tonight as I take calls from listeners like you who have questions about their relationships or sexualities. If you have a problem and you'd like some advice, you can call us around Australia for free on 1-800-975-711 or internationally via our Geist Line service at Seabrook On Air. I've been receiving quite a few messages from our listeners, and I'm really glad to hear that so many of you are finding so much help from our show. It's one of the reasons I'm so happy to have this show, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you tonight and helping you with your relationship issues. Shannon tells me we have a caller on the line. Hi, you're on the air with Dr. Seabrook. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Calissa, and I've got a little problem I'm hoping you can help me with. I hope so too. What's troubling you? So, I'm in my first serious relationship. I've dated people before, but it's always fizzled out or gone sideways a few months in. I love my girlfriend, but there's this thing that happens. When things are starting to get hot and heavy, not every time, but a decent chunk of the time, I tend to involuntarily astral project. Which is kind of a bummer for me, since I'm suddenly outside my body, sometimes in the same room, sometimes a mile or more away. And obviously, it's kind of a mood killer for my girlfriend, too. I see. Does this only happen during sex, or does it happen at other points, too? I I guess it happens other times, too. It's happened once when we were having a fight, and a few times when we started to talk about the future... It's really frustrating, and she's understanding, but it's starting to put a strain on our relationship. It's hard to talk about moving in together and how excited I am about that possibility when I literally can't finish the thought without going astral. It sounds like the underlying thread isn't necessarily sex or physical intimacy, but intimacy and heightened emotions in general. Probably. Probably. I mean... It it just makes me nervous. I feel like I've never had this kind of a connection with someone before. Usually at the first sign of real intimacy, people tend to leave me hanging. You'd think I'd be happy to have someone sticking around, but... Sometimes the situation or scenario being unfamiliar is enough to cause anxiety in and of itself. Is it maybe that you're just used to people not sticking around and, and this is different? That could be part of it, I think. I'm honestly not sure what happens after this since I've never experienced it. And that's a little nerve-wracking. Someone ditching you as soon as you express real feelings sucks, but at least I know how that song and dance goes. But having these kinds of feelings and not knowing what comes next is a little scary. That makes sense. Sometimes the known and uncomfortable situation is less scary than the unknown situation. And if you don't know what will happen next and you're prone to anxiety, it's easy to create a worst-case scenario or or several of them in your head. Yeah, and it's also like 
I think part of it is even aside from not knowing what comes next, I only have bad examples to look at to base those potential scenarios on. So I wonder if it will happen here, but it'll be worse. Getting ghosted is awful, but it's a much scarier thought to be ghosted after someone has stuck around, and I've been really vulnerable with them, you know? That makes perfect sense. Let me ask you something, Callista. The rest of the time, are things good? Yeah, at least I think so. I've never done this before, you know? We have minor disagreements every now and then, but they're usually resolved without a huge amount of fuss. I love her, and I want her to stay in my life. And have you talked about all of this with her? She's uh, aware that it's a problem, but we haven't talked about anything behind it. She, um, she just thinks it's a fight-or-flight response, I think. Okay, let's see if we can help by starting out with some grounding techniques. You can get something physical to help you ground, like a necklace or a bracelet or even a stone to keep in your pocket. Hematite is great for grounding. But you can also work on recognising what it feels like right before you involuntarily project. Many times with something like this or even more standard anxiety issues like panic attacks, there's warning signs that happen a few moments ahead of time. If you can figure out what your warning signs are, then you can start the grounding exercises as soon as you feel those, instead of after the involuntary projection has kicked in. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. A lot of times my vision will get a little fuzzy a few moments out and my fingertips start to tingle like I've hit my funny bone or something. Got it. So once you start to feel those sensations, you can touch your physical item that's helping you ground or even just to start breathing slower and deeper. There's also looking for five things you can see, four things you can hear, three things you can smell, and so on, until you've done all your senses. I'd also suggest coming up with some kind of safe word that you can use with your girlfriend, something that means you just need a few moments to breathe and calm down before you return to your conversation or the activity that you were previously doing. That's a smart idea. I, I don't know why I didn't think of that before. It's easy to think you can ignore it and it'll go away in the moment, but a lot of the time, it's more effective to disrupt the pattern. If you can take a few minutes to recenter and you talk with your girlfriend about your fears around rejection, I think you'll find yourself involuntarily projecting a lot less. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah, that helps a lot. Thanks, Dr. Seabrook. Of course. Good luck. It can be such a difficult thing being present in this moment. Well, this kind of disassociation can cause so many problems, and I hope those out there having similar problems can learn a little from that last call. Looks like we have our next caller ready to go. You're on air. Go ahead. Hi, Dr. Seabrook. My name is Tony, and... I'm not sure how to say it exactly. It's really silly. I'm here to help, Tony. I'm not here to judge. Well, see, the thing is... <clears throat> I'm a... Well, I'm non-binary. And, uh... It's a bit ridiculous, but I'm a... Uh... I'm a mothman. I don't like what my species is called. You're having trouble with the man part of mothman. <laughs> yeah, see? It sounds so ridiculous. You've just gotta laugh. 
it seems like it's affecting you a lot if you're calling in. Look, I've been trying to date a bit, but no one seems to respect that I'm non-binary. It's difficult. Have you spoken to any other Mothman about this? Perhaps there's another Mothman out there who feels the same. I'm worried people will laugh at me. You also seem to be laughing at yourself a lot. Tony, I think you should really listen to these feelings you're having. Right. My advice, first of all, would be to take yourself seriously. I... Yeah. I just worry it's silly. If it's making you this uncomfortable, Tony, it's not silly. I would also recommend trying to find some other non-binary mothmen and see how you start changing the language you use to refer to yourselves. Does that sound more feasible? I think so. Okay. And, uh, thanks, Dr. Seabrook. Anytime, Tony. Good luck. Something important to remember, the language we use doesn't have to define us. This is Supernatural Sexuality, and we'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to Supernatural Sexuality. I'm Dr. Seabrook. Time for some more calls. Okay, our next caller is on the line. You're on the air. How can I help? Hi, I'm Petra. Thanks for taking my call, Dr. Seabrook. Of course, Petra. It sounds like you've been having a tough time. I hope I can help. Really? It's about who my partner's family think I am. They... I hate saying this. Even just saying it on the radio makes me feel like a traitor. There's enough bullshit floating around about sirens in the mermaid world, and now I'm giving it airtime. Ooh, I know it can be hard to decide how to talk about intra-community issues or prejudices. We can definitely keep it general. Just tell me enough so that I can understand what's going on. You know what? Fuck it. I can do this. I'm sick of just... Maybe if I talk about about what it's like from this end, maybe... Well, it's not like I'm the first siren who's ever had to... Okay. So, okay. Hmm. My boyfriend and his family are mere folk. He's fantastic. No problems there. I love him. He loves me. But his family, they don't believe that. They, they think I lured him with my siren wiles. Like, that's just what we do. Just go around sinking our conniving talons into poor, unsuspecting lovers because it's just impossible that anyone could love us for ourselves. I'm so sorry. It... Dr. Seabrook, it just hurts so much. It makes me feel like people are never going to fully trust me. You aren't the first being I've heard this from. It comes up for sirens, but also for incubi, succubi, anyone with hypnotic abilities. And it can be a source of damage, not just to relationships or individuals, but to whole communities. It's so important to understand that in this world, some of us have powers. And some of those powers can, hypothetically, be used coercively. But that's no reason to go around assuming malice or manipulation or coercion. Thank you, Doctor. 
it's hearing you say that it's rarer than it should be you know honestly i'm sorrier for my boyfriend than i am for myself he loves his family so much they've always been close but now he's he's sticking by me and he refuses to believe that what they're saying but they're just saying that that's even more proof that he i've got him wrapped around my little finger i'm cracking this awful trench between him and all these people he loves. I don't know if I should even try with them, but I don't want him to lose his family over me. I, uh, I don't know what to do. I shouldn't have to be the grown-up here, and even if I am, they, they won't even meet me. They're so sure I manipulate them. Hmm, Petra, I have an idea. Oh, I'm so ready for an idea. So you already know your boyfriend's family don't seem prepared to hear your voice because of their own beliefs about power and how you wield it. But I'm thinking about a letter. The great thing about letters is that you get to take your time drafting them. Right now you're conflicted about whether you want to approach them with grace for your boyfriend's sake or whether you want to express your hurt and disappointment. Drafting a letter gives you time to work that out. Write an angry draft, get it out of your system, and then take some time to think and churn and then write a second draft. You have the right to your anger, but this way you'll also have a chance to channel it with care. And then it's up to them to try and grow beyond their current prejudices if they're up for it. They might not be. But this way, at least you'll know you've made a good faith try. What do you reckon? It's worth a shot. It's, hmm, yeah, it could be better than the endless tension we have now, at least. I'm going to give it a go. Thanks, Dr. Seabrook. All the best, Petra. Good luck to both you and your boyfriend, whatever happens next. And just in case it needs saying to our audience, we all have more power than we think. And that power isn't limited to the supernatural. Some of us just wear that power a little bit more, obviously. As a therapist, I've been taught a fair bit over the years about the sentient psyche. Some people would call that a coercive power. Actually, I definitely call that a coercive power. And it's very possible, easy even, to use unethically if you're not thinking carefully. All any of us can do is be aware of power. Notice how and when we're using it, and use it responsibly. Often those of us who know we have coercive power are the most careful in wielding it. Those of us who don't have such a clear and often stigmatised source of power might want to take a few notes. And that brings us to the end of our show tonight. I'd like to thank Callista, Tony and Petra for calling in tonight, and thanks to Shannon Forth, our producer. I'm Dr Olivia Seabrook. This has been Supernatural Sexuality. I hope you found something in our show tonight and I hope your relationships find their way. I'll see you next week. Supernatural Sexuality with Dr. Seabrook was created by Lee Davis Thalborn and produced by Pasa Volpez Productions. Dr. Olivia Seabrook is voiced by Mama Bohoi. Callista was voiced by Lucille Valentine with the call written by Michelle Nicolaisen. Tony was voiced by Jeffrey Nils Gardner with the call written by Alison Evans. Petra was voiced by Jessica Washington, with the call written by Hannah Aroni. Thank you to Alexander Danner of Greater Boston for recording and directing assistance on this call. 
the voice of the Oz Ethereal Network is Lee Davis Thalborn. If you like our show and want to support us, consider backing us on Patreon. We do our best not only to create a high-quality show for you, but to pay everyone involved in its production. Your monthly donation will help continue to support great shows like this one. You can become a patron via supersexradio.com slash Patreon. If you're not able to support us financially, consider rating and reviewing us on your platform of choice and spread the word about our show. If you want to learn more about supernatural sexuality with Dr. Seabrook, visit our website, supersexradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as supersexradio, or one word. Up next on the Oz Ethereal Network, listen to a modern-day story of one man's influence that continues beyond the grave in a city that's always on the move in Greater Boston. Find out more about this great show at greaterbostonshow.com. <laughs>